Welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. This is a podcast designed to help you lead your life enthusiastically today, tomorrow, and every other day. I am your host, Ron Kaiser, positive health psychologist, also keynote and TEDx speaker and author of the triple award-winning book, Rejuvenating the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm. My website is The Mental Health Gym. It's your source of all sorts of information regarding wellness, positive psychology, my own spin on it that I call goal-achieving psychology, rejuvenating, and lots of other things. It's also the place where you can contact me directly and can also suggest guests for future podcasts. As listeners to the podcast know, I'm very proud of the lineup of guests that we've been able to provide to help people lead their lives enthusiastically, become the best versions of themselves. So our guests historically lead their own lives with enthusiasm and with great accomplishment and can help us to do the same thing. And we're especially fortunate today to have Ben Aaron's. Ben is a chronic illness recovery expert, as well as being a TEDx speaker, neuroplasticity coach, and co-founder of Reorigin, which will let us tell us about in a bit. Now, Ben is absolutely passionate about healing, recovery, and human optimization, and helping people to take control of their own mental and physical health in the simplest ways by using the most sophisticated tool that they already possess, the human brain. Now, Ben was really a high-performance athlete as well as a chronically ill and bed-bound individual for eight years. Seems like kind of an odd combination, high-performance athlete and lying around in bed for eight years. I suspect that wasn't a whole lot of fun But after he recovered, he spent lots of time traveling the globe and working as executive vice president at Innovative Medicine, learning a whole lot about the brain and how we can make it work for us so that hopefully if we do wind up with a medical issue that we can make a maximum recovery and that we don't have to let it define us, but that we can overcome it. So there's so much I want to ask Ben, so I don't want to wait any longer. Ben, thanks so much for being on Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. Been looking forward to this and looking forward to our conversation. Uh, Thank you, Dr. Kaiser. I'm really happy to be here. Okay, great. Well, let's get into it. I uh, gave a bit of an introduction that I think leaves some questions in a lot of people's mind. Uh, You know, how did you manage, for example, to not wind up defining yourself as, as an ill person instead of somebody who helps people get better? So maybe you can tell us a little bit about your journey to get to how you became the present version of you. Yeah, sure. So I like what you just said, and I want to put a pin in that and come back to it about defining yourself in a certain way. Um, as it would turn out, perhaps the one of the keys lies in 
not defining ourselves. But just to define myself for a moment and tell my story, it started off with uh, athletics and just being, you know, very passionate about sports. And I was a surfer for for many years and still surf to this day. Um, was very, very fascinated with um, human potential exercise science, how we could, you know, make changes to the to the mind and body by our own actions, really. And what happened in my mid-20s was just by happenstance, a combination of what I would later learn to be sort of a perfect storm trifecta of uh, life stress, accumulated life stress, combined with um, an acute bacterial infection that was a Borrelia or Lyme disease, which is common in the Northeast where I'm from, combined with some other pathogens that I had picked up while traveling and, and surfing in West Africa, that my health started to rapidly deteriorate. And I ended up being bedbound for, it was three years, not eight years, but uh, the, the total recovery time probably lasted about eight years. But for those three years, I was stricken with very severe neurological symptoms, intense brain fog, exhaustion, arthritis, um, degeneration of, of tissue, basically was pretty well in, incapacitated. And for much of that time, could not walk, couldn't read. In fact, one of the few things that I could do was listen to podcasts, which, which were just coming of age in that time. So that's where my interest led me to trying to figure out what was going on with me. And of course, I was seeing a lot of different doctors trying to treat the Lyme disease conventionally at first with antibiotics, and um, then holistically with a lot of other means, ended up changing my diet, a lot of things about my lifestyle. But what really started to have an impact was when I started to learn about the stress response. And I found it very curious that many, many people in the Northeast are exposed to Borrelia, but very few people get Lyme disease. And so I started learning more about how there has to be some intermediary, something beyond just what's coming at us from the environment that causes us to respond or causes our body and mind to respond in the way it does. So, you know, a very small percentage of people actually get as sick as I did from Borrelia. And I learned that this really is in some ways mediated by the brain, that the brain determines the body's response. And so that led me down the rabbit hole of studying the brain, studying neuroscience, and um, led me to ultimately the discipline or, or field of neuroplasticity, which we know is basically the brain's natural ability to change its structure and function. And by learning how to actually apply neuroplasticity through various neurocognitive rehab type exercises, I eventually was able to change the stress response that was taking place in my system, which I would later learn, you know, helped to alleviate the body of inflammation and ultimately set the body up for what it does naturally, which is to heal itself and to resume homeostasis. And it didn't take, uh, it didn't uh, happen overnight. It took some time and consistency and stepping and misstepping, but over a series of, of years of, you know, figuring things out, trial and error, um, I eventually did make a complete recovery. And there's some, some pretty stark biometrics that were done on me, including brain scans and things where they found, uh, you know, brain lesions and things that are thought not to be able to recover. Those actually completely reversed themselves as did hormonal profile and all of the normal sort of blood work that you would expect to see. 
led me back to full 100% health. And that just really piqued my curiosity and has led to what I'm doing now, which is helping to uh, teach others how to retrain their own brain and overcome chronic conditions. That's, that's really fascinating. And I guess uh, one of the, the things I know is some people listening to this may uh, kind of wonder, geez, how's that happen? I, I know it's something we've grown up kind of thinking that hey, if we take a pill, swallow it, it goes to our stomach and somehow it can heal some other part of our body. Uh, but we're not used to thinking, hey, if we if we just use our brain in a particular way, that may help in some regard. So I'm, I'm wondering, just uh, probably asking an impossible question, but why don't we naturally just do this? I mean, as if it's part of being human and if it's a natural tendency to heal itself, where, where do we go wrong? Why do we have <laughs> chronic disease? That's a, that's a great question. And it's something that I really came face to face with myself. I remember asking that exact same question as I was learning about some of these different modalities like European biological medicine or even Chinese medicine that fundamentally operate under the notion that the body heals itself. The body is designed to be healthy, to be vibrant, uh, and to achieve homeostasis. So then the question naturally arises, like you just brought up, if that's true, then why am I sick? Why am I anxious? Why am I experiencing anything other than that homeostasis? And the reason is, as it turns out, this, this adaptation in the brain, this neuroplasticity goes both ways. It's really a matter of conditioning. So the same way that, that um, homeostasis, health, can be the natural state. And I do believe that that is the natural state that where we will settle, the brain can sometimes be conditioned, can learn to overprotect the body. And that can happen when we have an acute trauma, an acute illness or an injury. Like for me, it was the Lyme disease. And if this persists and goes on, if that infection continues for weeks or months or years on end, then the brain or this particularly region of the brain called the limbic system can learn that this is the response that it needs to be perpetuating, which is this over-exaggerated sort of stress response. And when that happens, it pulls resources, these vital resources that the body does naturally have away from things like healing, like digestion, like recovery, regeneration of tissue. And it applies those resources toward what it sees as an immediate threat, which is say fighting off this pathogen. The problem is that sometimes, and in most cases or many cases, even after the initial trauma is gone, or in this case, the pathogen is gone, the brain continues to overreact in this way because it's gotten stuck having learned that this is the way it should respond. And again, that simply perpetuates inflammation and essentially prevents the body from naturally setting, settling in its state of recovery. Well, it's fascinating. Now, I'm wondering, I, I'm a big believer in prevention. Is there, if I were sitting here 30 or 40 years ago and when my kids were much younger and wondering, is there something that we can do preventively to raise a generation of people to function this way so that, that they're prepared for, you know, what inevitably happens to, to us, that, that we do run into infections and disorders and things of that nature? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. So, you know, the fortunate side of this is that the same way that the brain can learn or become conditioned to over-respond, 
we can also retrain the brain or retrain the limbic system to provide a different response, to shift into more of that parasympathetic state of the nervous system, which is our rest, digest, and recovery. And to your point, it's actually a really, really good point for us to think about because I think where our real power and real ability lies when it comes to healing, recovering, or aging with grace and, and enthusiasm is not in our ability to insulate ourselves from all potential problems, right? From all potential pathogens or threats or injuries or illnesses, because life happens. At the end of the day, there's always going to be some things that cross our paths or that we come in contact with that can have an adverse reaction uh, in us. I think what is in our in our power and our ability is to modulate our response. It's to train our brain and our body how to respond in a way where the problem is addressed quickly and acutely if necessary, but it doesn't continue to over-respond. It doesn't, it doesn't keep pulling us out of that restful state and into fight or flight by over-exaggerating that response. And so we can go into the details of what some of those things might be, but that's the basic premise is sort of like this notion of, you know, don't try and pad the whole earth. You can actually pad your feet and then you can walk wherever you choose without having to be so, so cautious. That makes a whole lot of sense. And I'm, I'm wondering, though, there as a psychologist, I'm thinking about somebody who tends to panic, be uh, a catastrophizer, things of this nature, where, you know, you're overlaying a medical illness on a tendency to respond in a particular way. And I know one of my roles is to always kind of de-emotionalize some of these things and make people try and at least consider what can go right, not just what can go wrong. But in general, do you find that uh, there is either a personality type that this works for more so than others? Or how hard is it to change people who are characterologically anxious or who have learned to be anxious uh, or where anxiety has maybe motivated them in other aspects of their lives? And now it's undifferentiated, but affecting their response to a chronic condition. So I think that everyone can actually respond to this type of neuroplasticity training or brain conditioning in the same way that I think everyone can respond to exercise. I think the most important factor is simply uh, a willingness to experience something different. And the second part of that would be an awareness of, of your situation. You know, and that also kind of dovetails into the willingness because it takes a certain willingness to to want to become aware, to want to tune in to the fact that you are anxious or that you are hypervigilant or that you are or have been you know responding in a certain way. Um, and to do this in a way like you just kind of mentioned without identifying with it, without really judging yourself for it or condemning yourself for it. But I do believe that this type of, of training can be effective for whoever is willing to um, to try it. Yeah, that's that's obviously heartening to know. And having worked with headache patients for most of my professional career, and many of whom have chronic headaches, I'm wondering just how does, uh, I, I know you've got an entire system and it's going to take a whole lot longer than, than one podcast, but can you kind of flesh out what kind of the the outline of what people should be doing or what you train people to do? 
Sure. So walking it back a moment to what you had said just before that, where people are perhaps hypervigilant and experiencing bodily symptoms as well. It could be a headache or it could be a rash or indigestion. What happens is when we have this higher level of hypervigilance in the system stemming from perhaps the limbic system, then we can get caught in these these neurological negative feedback loops or sort of vicious cycles where the body is kind of reacting to its own reactions. And this happens very subconsciously, but just to give you an example, let's say, you know, take the example of someone with uh, chronic pain or chronic headaches, they might, the, the symptoms themselves experiencing the headache or experiencing the pain might be sufficient to trigger a subconscious reaction of anxiety around those symptoms, right? Mm -hmm. And then we know that the anxiety, when you're in a state of anxiety, the body is producing excess cortisol, adrenaline, norepinephrine, these hormones and chemicals that are pro-inflammatory, which of course can make the symptoms even worse. And then when you experience that the symptoms haven't left, or perhaps they've even gotten worse, then the anxiety kicks in again and round and round we go. And this just can, you know, heighten. So the number one thing is to first become aware that this cycle is taking place, that it is subconscious. You didn't cause it. It's not your fault. You didn't do anything to, to set this in motion, but it is there because it is a conditioned response. The second thing is the active portion, and that is interrupting this pattern. This is, once you become aware of it, to find a way to interject. And with Reorigin and this kind of methodology that, that we've created, we actually break into the psyche and break into these negative uh, feedback loops from various different touch points. We do it from the rational mind by engaging the neocortex, which is that higher level executive function functioning part of the brain. So this could look something like simply speaking out loud or telling yourself a little, little bit of rationalizing like, oh, okay, it's you know inflammation in my body. It's removing the labels from the symptoms as being negative. Um, it's just uh, sort of recontextualizing it as an experience. And just that allows us to gain a little bit of distance from it, to disidentify from the symptoms or maybe from the condition and say, okay, it's not me. I'm not as stuck here as I thought. These are merely sensations, passing sensations in an otherwise long, healthy, happy life. And that alone can help to unhinge some of that meta level thinking about it, some of that anxiety about it, which we know neurochemically actually causes those symptoms to get worse or at least stay in place. So that's one of the ways we can break in is by engaging the rational mind. Another one we can where, where we can interrupt this pattern is through our physiology. We can change our physiological response by taking a deep breath, by relaxing, by dropping our shoulders, and by actively and consciously assuming the physiological state of someone who is at ease. And we know that by doing that and by rehearsing that and practicing it, that eventually that will actually become your real state. So the third component of that, which I'll just mention briefly, is once you've identified that you're in one of these loops and then you've interrupted it, whether rationally or physically, a third portion would be to reinforce that, to solidify it, to basically acknowledge yourself or celebrate the fact that you've broken this kind of a loop. And what that does is it creates the it triggers the release of dopamine in the brain, which solidifies a new neural pathway. It essentially 
starts this process of retraining the brain and retraining the limbic system that says, okay, in the future, when I experience this headache or this indigestion sensation, rather than becoming all wrapped up in anxiety around it and, you know, potentially unconsciously making it worse. Instead, this new response is going to be to relax, to allow it to be there. And ultimately, and sort of paradoxically, that leads to oftentimes leads to the symptoms becoming less intense. Well, as a psychologist, this makes so much sense to me. I'm wondering how, uh, how are these ideas being received in uh, regular medicine? Really good question. You know, this is in regular medicine, as as you know, things are very much practiced in isolation, especially when you get down to, to specialists. The, the body is isolated from the brain, which is a separate department from the mind. But I think more and more people are really becoming aware of these mind-body connections. And they're becoming aware of it a lot because of the, the neuroscience, which is taking us out of the realm of woo-woo sort of positive thinking around this that's that's kind of shrouded this type of research in the past. And it's really now placing it, you know, in the realm of um, of science. So I'm really happy to see this. And actually just today, there was an article in the Washington Post about neuroplasticity training and how effective it is for chronic pain syndrome. And they found that it was, I believe the, the stats that mentioned in that article uh, based on the study that was just done were that 98% of people, 98% of people who tried this neuroplasticity-based approach, similar to the, the one that we do at Reorigin and similar to what I mentioned, experienced a relief in symptoms from chronic pain. And I think they said 66% experienced dramatic relief from chronic pain and even permanent recovery. So more and more, I think we're seeing more validating science studies uh, coming out around this, and it's beginning to be more accepted and explored by the mainstream. Wonderful, wonderful. And I'm wondering, obviously, I have an interest in in healthy aging. And I'm wondering, you know, there are some, uh, well, one of the reasons I got into it was observing differences in the way that my peers were aging. And I'm wondering, therefore, if you've been functioning a particular way for a long period of time, you've had a chronic condition, uh, whether it's one that's deteriorating or not, but is obviously help using that word again to define you as a patient. Is there a point beyond which this doesn't work or where it's too late? Or is it something where if somebody's had, you know, headaches for 20 years or they've had a back injury in uh, middle age and now they're, they're an older age and they've got arthritis and all this other stuff is, is there a category of people who either doesn't work with or a way of, you know, providing encouragement for, for some of my peers? Yeah, I can tell you that, you know, in Reorigin, we've seen people who have been struggling with chronic conditions such as pain syndrome for more than 20 years, experience dramatic recoveries, big differences in the first few weeks, and then eventually over a series of months, even up to, you know, permanent relief from their pain. And I think obviously, you know, lifestyle, what you do more often of the time for, for longer periods of time 
uh, definitely plays a role and has a factor. But I will also say that the body and every cell within the body, as you know, is it's constantly changing itself. And so from any point that we start, from any place, from any age, I believe that there's always the potential to improve things from where we are. There's always the potential to get in that gap between stimulus and response and to orient the body's mechanisms in the right direction. Because aging, as I understand it, is not synonymous with degeneration at all. And if you look at studies that have been done on uh, blue zone populations, these are populations with the highest amount of centenarians, uh, you can see that they actually age very well. Their, their longevity and quality of life is outstanding. Um, everyone stays mobile into their late you know, uh, 90s, in some cases over 100. Enthusiasm levels are high, and that's something we can talk about because I believe that also plays a huge role um, in vitality and overall health. But I think the key for people to know is that you know, aging is, is a natural process, and it can happen extremely beyond gracefully. It can happen with a lot of vitality, energy, and enthusiasm. So no matter where someone currently is, as long as they're still breathing, my experience is that there's room for improvement. And through some various simple you know, lifestyle changes and perhaps implementation of some of these neuroplasticity tools that are now coming into the, into the spotlight, it's more accessible than it has ever been before for people to really take control of their own health and orient it in a, in a good direction. Yeah, that's great news. And uh, certainly one of the great gifts of neuroplasticity. I'm obviously quite a bit older than you, and I'm trying to think back to graduate school. And I, I've discussed it with some of my colleagues who went to medical school. I don't know if we even heard the term when we were in school, the notion that the brain can continue to grow, change, generate, create new neural pathways and so on, like after the age of 30. And uh, we now know we can do it throughout life. And, and I'm glad you mentioned the blue zone research. There's just so much proof that aging doesn't have to be a period of decline, but can be approached enthusiastically. Since that's a term that I'm that, that I think is maybe underappreciated. You said maybe we can talk about enthusiasm. Tell us a little bit about why you think enthusiasm is so, so significant or important in your work. Well, we know that when you're in the opposite state of, of enthusiasm, which is sort of, let's say if enthusiasm is experiencing the brightness of life, if that's where life is at its maximum and we can see you know, a bright light bulb, Oftentimes we experience the, the opposite of that, which is a sort of dullness or apathy um, or depression, depletion. And we know that being in that state is metabolically expensive because that leads to the mind trending toward trying to find, find problems that it thinks it needs to solve or anxiety or these types of states. So if we can find ways to tap into and invigorate our enthusiasm, and it can be for anything, however subtle, it can be for you know looking at a blade of grass or for learning you know about something that you're, you're interested in, whatever it might be, it actually puts you physiologically in a better state, in a state that supports the body's natural health and vitality. Okay, that's a great definition of it. And uh, while we've talked around it quite a bit, uh, let's hear a little bit about reorigin. Is it a, 
a physical place that people go to? Is it something that can be accessed online? Let's assume that we never heard about it before. Uh, why would somebody want to go there and what could they get there and how do they access it as again, physically online or what? Yeah, sure. So Reorgin is a science-based and self-directed neuroplasticity program. Self-directed meaning that people can join this online. They can, it's self-paced. They can go through it in their own, in their own way. And most importantly, perhaps they can apply it to their own condition. So they can take these fundamental tools, these fundamental sort of uh, brain retraining exercises, and whether they're experiencing depression, anxiety, or a more specific chronic condition like chronic fatigue or Lyme disease like I was, or even post-COVID syndrome, they can apply these same tools. And we have coaching, uh, weekly coaching, uh, group coaching calls and a community that guides people through how to um, apply this neuroplasticity training to their own condition. So how to kind of retrain their own brain with respect to what's challenging them most at the moment. And this is in the form of an online course. So there's videos that people would watch for the first six days to learn about the limbic system, which is this part of the brain that's responsible for the fight or flight response. They learn these exercises and how to apply them. Even we talk about the importance of, of vitality, of, of sorry, enthusiasm, what we call mood elevation, and how to start to transition yourself into that more optimistic, elevated state, which like we said, we know is, is um, important for, for healing and recovery, but also a big portion of it is, is helping people understand that when they're feeling depressed, depleted, overwhelmed, anxious, that there's a reason behind it. It's not simply them. It's so easy for people to fall subject to that meta level of thinking and becoming upset about the condition because we think of it in some way as a, as a failure of, of, of self, you know, perhaps I didn't take care of myself in the right way, or I didn't, you know, I'm anxious because I didn't complete that project or whatever it might be. When in reality, it could just be, and often is the case that the brain is stuck in this hypervigilant state. And so simply by understanding that sometimes it's not psychological, it's actually neurological, that we found really helps people to know that there is an, a clear cause for what they're experiencing, whereas mainstream medicine still has challenges finding these underlying causes. And then they can transition into the solution. And I like to say, you know, it's not about solving or, or, or finding the solution to each and every symptom. It's about undoing the basis of the problem. And by working from that way, by changing the stress response, phase shifting into parasympathetic and out of that sympathetic dominance and phase shifting into joy, enthusiasm, we find that their brain starts to come back online. The body starts to shift into a state that's optimized for healing and people have experienced dramatic recoveries. And this is all done within an online community as well, which is a critical component here because we found that when people see other people getting benefits from this, when people see other people making changes, it creates this sort of Roger Bannister effect where, you know, Roger Bannister was the fellow that broke the four minute mile before he did it. Nobody thought it was possible. It was like a psychological and physical limit. But as soon as he did it within a few months, high school stu students were breaking that time and other people were doing it as well. So when other people start to, you know, experience this change in others, 
all of a sudden it, it starts to reorient their own mind that, hey, this is possible for me too. And it just creates this upward spiral of people kind of pulling each other up together. Yeah, I'm glad you cited that example because it's something that I've spoken about with a lot of people, uh, you know, having lived in that time when uh, Roger Bannister first broke the mound and I think it was 13 others the same year. <laughs> but also uh, a lot of people don't recognize, I think there were like three other major records that they thought could never be broken. Uh, the uh, high jump, the 60 foot shot put and forgot there's, there's the, the pole vault. Although that the equipment changed on that. I'm not sure that that is in the same category, but, but four records. And then, you know, now high school kids are, you know, breaking or, or matching those records. <laughs> so I mean, this, this is really, uh, I, I think it's a, Terrific analogy. You said it's a course, so and I know it's self-paced, but roughly how how much time? Well, first of all, how much time a week, and then how much yeah. time does it take to get to transformation or whatever whatever your graduation term is? Sure. So the course itself runs about an hour a day, so it's just an hour a day for about a week that people go through. As they're doing that, they are gaining all of the the tools of awareness, of pattern interruption, and of using these, what we call applied neuroplasticity tools. So already by day three of the course, that's where they get the main exercises. They can start doing the brain retraining. And then from there on out, 30 minutes a day, broken down into three 10 minute segments is what we've found to be optimal for inducing these types of neuroplastic changes that we want to see. So we recommend, you know, first thing in the morning, for instance, you can spend 10 minutes doing these, this series of brain retraining exercises again in the afternoon, and then once more before bed. And that's coupled with weekly coaching calls, which are group calls. So these are a chance for everyone to share what's going well. And unlike support groups, we really make a point to focus on what's going well. So we start and end every session with the questions, you know, share a win or something great that happened in the previous week. And then at the end, something that you're looking forward to in the positive week. And there's a very specific neuroscience reason why we organize the groups in this way. And it really comes down to just orienting and reorienting our attention back to the positives, which we now know has a huge physiological impact and benefit. It's like almost taking a medicine from the inside out. Great. Well, it sounds, I mean, wonderful and really a minimal amount of time. It's not like somebody has to think that they have to reschedule their whole life in order to do this. So that's Really great. And uh, listeners to the podcast will probably recognize then why I, uh, I was so thrilled to have you on it, uh, because my, my first ebook, the, the title of it was called What Can Go Right? And it came from numerous patients where I would ask the, the question, they would meet a challenge and I would say, what can go right? And it was like a trick question for a lot of them. You know, they said, I could tell you what can go wrong or never thought of it. Or did you mean what can go wrong? Or, you know, it was so just to reorient the thing, I can certainly uh, verify that you can really make tremendous changes by getting that cognitive switch. And so it's I'm really happy to hear about it. So how do people find out about you? How do they reach you? How do they access information and so on? 
Yeah. So the best way is to go to our website, which is reorigin.com. And that's spelled out re-origin.com. And there's also social medias they can link to from there. Uh, reorigin underscore official is our Instagram. And there's also a contact form on that page, which actually goes directly to my email. So if anyone has any questions, they can go to re-origin.com. And on the contact page, they can put in their questions. And I always read all of the uh, the emails that come in through there. Great. And we'll have all this information in the show notes. So if somebody's driving, don't have to rely on your memory or put yourself in danger by putting it into your phone or writing it down or stuff like that. It, it'll be in the show notes. And it's been so, you know, interesting, informative, just wonderful having you as a guest. I knew it would be. And I certainly was not disappointed. I just, ran out of time. So we may have to have you back for, for more information. <laughs> I know we have a lot of really great guests, but I think your information is certainly among the more practical, helpful ideas for people who are going through either the aging process, the chronic pain process. Uh, there, there's so many applications for it. And again, the fact that you've got a system that doesn't require going away somewhere or spending, you know, hours a day or a week, uh, you know, on it, I, I just think it's, it's terrific. So thanks, Ben. I really appreciate your being with us and sharing all this information. Well, I appreciate you having me on the show, Dr. Kaiser, and um, asking such great questions and just leading a, a wonderful conversation. I appreciate it. Well, best of luck to you, and uh, we will be in touch. And thanks again. So this has been Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser with our guest, our very informative guest, Ben Ahrens. The, again, the information on contacting him and learning about Reorigin program will be in the show notes and uh, are in the show notes, actually. And uh, for everybody else, I hope that you will be back next week. In the meantime, I hope you'll tell friends about this episode, download it, rate it, and be back next week for another really, really interesting guest. Although one of these weeks, I'm going to do a solo episode, so I, I don't know if that's going to be me. But if it's not me, it'll be an interesting guest. Anyway, uh, thanks again for tuning in. We thank Ben once again. We are still in the pandemic, so um, remember to stay safe out there. And if you visit our website, maybe you'll have some suggestions for other guests who are upcoming and who could help us to lead our lives with enthusiasm, become the best versions of ourselves. And until next time, this is Ron Kaiser signing off and wishing you the, a really, really good week. And uh, remember, your brain can always change for the better. So uh, use it wisely. Take care now.